0: at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Twenty-two, Luke twenty-two, in verse number thirty-one, and uh, that's where we're going to be tonight. And uh, you're getting the papers. I'm sorry that didn't happen uh, coming in, and so the guys are passing those papers out, and uh, so that'll help guide you along. I especially want you to pay attention to what is on the back of the uh, of the paper and what is listed there is all the times that the Gospels mentioned uh, Jesus Christ praying. Now, Jesus prayed constantly, but I want you to pick up on the fact that Jesus was praying at all different periods of his life. And I think when you zoom out and you just realize that Jesus was constantly in an attitude of prayer, uh, certainly his word tells us to pray without ceasing. And so as we continue to consider this matter of talking less, praying more we should look at our model Jesus Christ who is constantly praying and there's times where he prayed uh, very simple prayers but other times right before he chose his disciples what did he do he went and prayed all night I mean he's spending a significant time in prayer uh, in the garden before he went to the cross three different times he's praying and so what I'd like to do tonight is deal with uh, deal with the matter of Jesus praying uh, specifically for Peter And I want us to consider this thought, we have an intercessor, we have an intercessor. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter number 22 and verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. I want you to read verse 32 with me together. Ready, begin. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, those are really precious words, and we're going to dive into them, and I think they'll be a blessing to you tonight. Let's pray and ask them to help us. Father, we ask that you would be our teacher uh, right now, that you would guide us into all truth, that you would help us to understand your word. And maybe we've read over this and been touched by this passage before, but I pray that you would just reignite in our hearts and just encourage us, edify us, with the fact that you do indeed pray for us, and that you you ever live, Uh, You are seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us right now. But we get to see this in this visible, uh, physical picture uh, between you and uh, Peter. And so I pray that you would encourage us tonight. No doubt there's folks here going through a trial of faith, and I pray that you would uphold them by your right arm. And uh, with the truth of this passage of Scripture, we pray. We also ask for the, the children as they're being taught tonight, and the teens. Well, we just ask that you'd minister to every person that's here tonight receiving your word. If anyone does not know you as Savior, Tonight, Lord, we ask that they would be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to run over to James chapter number 1 for a second. Let's let's, uh, set this up in in this way. James chapter number 1, and uh, the Bible says this, James 1 and verse number 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, Greetings, so he's writing to the 12 tribes of Israel They're all scattered about and he's writing to them and giving them some really wonderful truth And he says this my brethren Count it all joy. All right Count it all joy when God blesses you count it all joy when there's money in the bank count it all joy when everything's going smooth in life No count it all joy when ye fall into divers or different temptations now temptations there is not just the temptation to sin but also trials and so on testings Verse number three, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect, complete, entire, wanting nothing. So lacking nothing. So think about this. James is telling believers like you and I, you need to come into trials of your faith And you need to count it joy. You need to mark it up as a a joyful thing. You need to embrace that trial with joy. Why? Because God is working something out in your life. He's bringing you to an expected end. He is trying to help you get to the place where you have endurance, spiritual endurance to continue on the next time. How many of you say, I need spiritual endurance, right? We all do. We need to be, uh, we need to constantly be growing in that because we come up against trials in our life and we faint in our hearts. If any of you have fainted over this past week, fainted in your heart where you're just struggling through it. And I don't know, I've, I've described it and the Lord's kind of described it to me in this, this way, just kind of impressing this in my heart, kind of a, like a fog of despondency that rolls into your heart and you're just like, uh stuck. I mean, it's just, it's just there, and it, you can't get out from under it, and it's there, and it's permeating everything you do. It's permeating your attitude, your words, and you're dealing with this, and, and you're just kind of stuck there. Paul, um, James says, no, I want you to embrace these trials of faith, these seasons of testing with joy. Now, the Bible does tell us to rejoice in all things. Yes, even in sight of trials. It's easier said than done, isn't it? And, uh, you know, right there we could just stop and say, Lord, I've, I've been wrong. And you know, sometimes that's what's needed is for us to just to stop and say, Lord, I've been wrong. I've not, I've not been allowing this trial that you've allowed into my life to actually be embraced with joy. I've, I've gotten grumpy, gotten grumpy with my family, got short with others. Uh, stop spending time with you, stop rejoicing in your goodness, so on. And so James says, count it all joy, count it all joy. Now, The very next verse, verse number five, he says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. Does that strike you interesting that James follows up with that exhortation? Hey, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Well, what do I need wisdom about? Hey, you're going through this trial of faith right now. You need some wisdom to um, to process this, wisdom to get through it and have a right attitude. What is wisdom? It's the right attitude application of the right use of knowledge how many of you need good knowledge and need to apply it right when you're going through a trial of faith you understand what i'm saying i do because we start believing that satan's lies right god's given up on you god's done with you he's abandoned you uh, and we start thinking that maybe about one another we need god's truth in the midst of that trial And so he says, hey, you're wondering what's going on. God's, God's, uh, you know, God's allowing this in your life. God, what are you doing to me? David asked that question. Why have you abandoned me? He asked that question. And in the midst of that, we need to be seeking God's truth, God's wisdom for uh, getting through that. So what I find interesting as we come to this scenario between Peter and Jesus is that God gives us another picture Of this scenario here's a man that's about ready to go through a trial of faith a significant trial of faith where he is going to he is going to really struggle in his confidence towards Jesus Christ and whether he's gonna continue on whether he's gonna follow the call that Jesus Christ put on his life and he's gonna really struggle with this and Jesus gives us a picture of what he does in that scenario so look at it with me this trial of faith is really any time that we go through that, that where our, our confidence in Christ is tested, our confidence in who he is, our confidence in his ability, in his ability to triumph, all those things. And so uh, Peter's coming into that. He's going to face a trial, and Jesus forewarns him. I was on the phone with a pastor yesterday, and he says, you know, I cannot get past the fact that believers are are about ready to step into some very, very difficult times. I think we are in difficult times, but it's just a sense. You know, I think the Holy Spirit even has that sense. He's forewarning us, right? Are you with me? You with me? Do you you see that right now? And we, we sense it in our hearts. Hey, it's time to listen to God in that moment. Now, Peter didn't totally listen very well, because what, in the rest of this chapter, as it's chronologically laid out, verse number 54, he's denying Jesus right? So we need to listen really well. This is the time to listen to the fact God is giving us some truth through this. This illustration He's given us some truth that really helps us to be on the right track as we will embrace those trials. So want us to notice, first of all, in verse number 31 of our passage, notice Satan's request. Now that's kind of a, a, that's a really scary thought, Satan's request. Now, Satan has an agenda, Satan has a plan, but he says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to sift you, that he may, or has desired to have you, that he may sift you as we. His first desire was, I just want to get my hands on Peter. I want to I have him. And so he, he says that this request was made known to God. Now, that's not, that's not uh, too far-fetched because we can go back to the book of Job and realize that Job two times came to God and requested to be able to test Job. So we understand that scenario. We understand that Satan has to come to God and he has to make this request to God. He can't just willy-nilly, he can't just do whatever he wants. He has some boundaries. And so uh, Jesus wanted Peter to realize this, behold, Behold, and it's almost as if God just pulls back the curtains into the spiritual battle that is waging in the heavenly, so to speak. Here's what's going on. Satan has come. He has appeared. He's made a request to me. This is the request that he's made. He wants you. Now, the fact is that he wants every, every single believer here. He wants your family. He wants every kid that's down there. He wants every teenager. He wants every person who is, who is having a heart towards God. He wants to derail them. He wants to derail them. And friends, if we have made a decision to follow after God, listen, let me also say this. You've made some decisions to say, I am going to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan wants you. Mark it down, Satan wants you. This week, you wonder why you're struggling. You wonder why there's some storms in your life. You wonder why there's some opposition. You've said this week, by God's grace, I'm going to witness to at least one person, right? And there is going to be a struggle there. And so behold, and God's pulling back the curtains, and we need to see behind the the scenes as well. There is a real spiritual battle that is going on. And he says, he's desired you. He's actually demanded for you. Now think about the arrogance of of this this character, Satan, standing up before Almighty God, his creator, right, and saying, "I, I demand of you. I demand, and I expect that you say yes. Give me Peter. Wow. Wow. Satan can make demands, but God has the final say. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Praise the Lord. He has the final say. And uh, even in Job 2 and verse number 6, and the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is th- uh, in thine hand, but save his life. You can have him. You can, you can go after him, but save his life. You can't take his life. You can't take his life. So I don't know about you. I, in this moment, I just want to pause and say thank you to our, our God who limits Satan. Yeah, I mean, he, he is on a leash. I'd I like to think about it, you know, one of those junkyard dogs that's on a leash, right? And, and he has so much chain. And he, he has a loud bark, but once he gets to the end of the chain, it's it. You know, you know how those dogs, used, you know, they'd run and they'd be on the end of the chain and they kind of jerk themselves like that? Have you ever seen, uh, seen that where they, they put a spring, at, a spring on one of those chains? So we grew up with dogs, and we had them on one of those those uh, those lines, that, you know, that uh, hooked from hook from the top, and you know they get to the end of that, and they'd spring, and you know it, it's like. But Satan has there is an end of, end of Satan's ability, and God determines that. Whatever you're going through right now, God determines that. He determines how far Satan's allowed to test and try you your family, and how how far he can go. So we can give praise to God for that tonight. But notice, his request wasn't just to God. His request was to expose Peter. Now, no doubt, you you know your own limitations, you know your own struggles, uh, and those come up often in your mind, and you know they're there. And no doubt Peter had them as well. But I want you to notice this word sift. He says that he may sift you as wheat. This is his intent, that he may sift you as wheat. The idea is to, to, sh- to shake vigorously, to turn, up, uh, turn upside down to, you know, it, it's tossing. You know, it's kind of in a sieve, so it, it would have been a screening of this wheat to break apart the wheat, uh, the kernel of wheat, from the, from the chaff. So Satan comes. He's not, he's not believing that, that Peter is wheat, right, that he's valuable, he's expecting him to be a phony, he's expecting him to be a fake, just kind of chaff that, that could be disregarded and burned, and so he expected to find that through the, through the testing, Peter wouldn't really last. Peter wasn't really a follower of God, and Peter really, you know, he was just kind of a hypocrite, you know, and so P, uh, uh, through the sifting, that's what Satan's hoping to find out, and, and he's going to Work to break them apart. He's going to work to cause doubt. There's a big part of the idea of this word sifting to bring about doubt to question Well, here's the amazing thing about that Satan felt that the disciples uh, Were not genuine followers and that through that sifting he could expose them for the frauds that they really were Now friends, I, I want you to realize the accuser of the brethren continues to try to do that today And he does that right inside of our minds Yes, he does it. He would love, he'd love the chance to do that publicly. But he does that in our minds. And I can also guarantee, just to tie it back to this matter of witnessing for Christ, I can also guarantee there are times where, where you have tried to go witness and to be bold, and in the back of your mind a thought comes up, why are you witnessing? You know you struggle with sin. Uh, you know who you are, and in the back of your mind, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, guilt from the past comes up. Who in the world is that? Satan's sifting you you're just a real phony you have no business talking about this uh, this stuff now Obviously if there's sin that we need to deal with we need to deal with it Satan's a master at bringing question and doubt into our lives at the time God is trying to use us He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We do wrestle against not flesh and blood, but against principalities. We wrestle against a spiritual battle, Ephesians 6 and verse number 12. And so Satan desires to sift you, to shake you, to turn you upside down, to bring question in your mind. Are you really that good of a Christian? You should just quit now because no, that church doesn't need you. God doesn't need you. Uh, Jesus doesn't need your witness. And he just is causing question. You know, his sifting can come physically through illness. Friends, I'm kind of burdened about something for us as a church. There has been so much illness right now. Are you with me about this? It seems like some of us get here one service and the next service we're out with illness. Are you you with me? Are you tired of this? Right? It's just constant. And I know it's this time of year, and we say that. It's just this time of year, right? But, you know, God is the God of health. And can you with me just pray and commit to praying about this matter? We have revival meetings coming up. And I'm just going to take some time to tell you what God has done over this past past week, and why I believe God really wants to work in our church. I, I already sense God working in our church just as we've come into this come into this year. I mean, He is. I, I sense. I sense it. You have sense it. You've told me. There's God is doing a stirring work in our hearts, and a lot of it's spiritual a spiritual stirring work. But as we as we come into this. And we say, well, you know, we're going to set aside a, a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and we're going to give God a chance to take his word and to work it into our hearts. Well, you can about guarantee the way, uh, way it's been going, sickness crops up and you miss, you miss, you miss it all or something like that, and you, you don't get the encouragement of that. But Satan knows that he can really discourage the people and really bring question into our lives and sift us even through, through physical illness, okay? But uh, I want to tell you, this week on, on Monday morning, I got a call from Brother Mike Edwards, and he goes, Brother Kagan, I, I, I this is a really heavy call for me. He says, uh, I I want you to know I've, I've not had to make this call before, but uh, my wife has had surgery, and I thought I thought we'd be fine, and that we'd be able to we'd be able to be out there, and and that she was going to recover, but she's starting to struggle with blood clots, and, and Brother, I just my first responsibility is to her, and I really need to I need to tend to her. So I'm I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to make it. I don't want to leave it to the last minute. Now we've had this meeting planned for about a year or so, and um, Brother Edwards and I have been conversating about this, praying towards this weekend, and and, and, and so forth. And so uh, he says, "Is there any way that I can help? You know, mediate this and, and, and try to you know try to be help? I mean, I know we're just a couple weeks out. And to me, uh, to me, just understand that you know the revival meeting at the beginning of the year. The reason I put it here is is. I, I just sense that this is the time of year we need to be called out of the winter slumber. We need to get into the Word of God, get our minds right, and and go on for the Lord. Not wait till halfway through the year to, to get into the word like that, but just take this this season. Yes, snow comes, right? It frustrates us. And uh, brother Sam Davison he goes, why do you put it in, you know, why do you put it in February? Because we, we need a kickstart in, in the winter. We really do. So uh, anyway. Brother Edwards said, I, I said, no, you need to take care of your wife, and, and I understand that, and God has this, right? God has this. He, he's got this, right? Amen? He's got this. Are, are we, we have that coming on the T-shirts. He's got this, okay? So I, I wasn't putting that on. I, I, I just sensed the Lord has it. He says, can I, can I make a suggestion? God has burdened me um, with, and placed on my heart a preacher that I wonder if you would just have. And he says, do you know anybody by the name of Billy Ingram? And I said, well, yes, I do, Billy. And I go back to about 2003. I've known him since then. And uh, Billy Ingram pastors uh, Canaan Baptist Church down in uh, Covington, Georgia. God has been doing nothing short of a reviving work in both Billy's life and the life of the church. And uh, as he said that, I was like, I cannot believe the goodness of God. Because just in the past week, I'm like, Lord, whatever you're doing in Billy's life, whatever you're doing in his church, I want. And he goes, I'm gonna, would you mind if I give him a call? So this just happens on Monday. He gives him a call on Monday, and then on Tuesday he sends me a text. He says, Billy's good to do it, and he'll do Sunday too. Now, I don't know how, whether it'll just be Sunday on Sunday night, but you know what, regardless, I know this much. God is working, and he's arranging, and he's answering prayer, and he has it all in control, and friends, I'm telling you what, Satan is trying to sift some of us, and even through physical illness, he's trying to sift. We need to make this a matter of prayer. Are we wrestling against, you know, physical viruses? No. I mean, they're they're real. I'm not denying them, but do you, you understand what I'm saying? We, he even tries to sift in that. And so I'm just saying God, God is working. Satan is, is also trying to discourage and to uh, trouble. Sometimes that sifting comes through finances, uh, through loss. We've had people lose family members this week. Uh, sometimes it's emotional doubt, rejection, right? Rejection is a big deal for, for us to deal with. Uh, anxiety, hurt spiritually. What about just the oppression of the enemy against our, against us? He can't he can't possess us as Christians, right? Amen? I'm thankful for that. I don't know about you. I'm thankful. He can't possess us, right? All right? He can, not but he can certainly possess, um, uh, oppress us and bring a heaviness. He can certainly bring up our guilt as a way of sifting us, right? And he does that over and over. Do you know what's in your past? Right? And you just have to say, I, I, I've been listening to this song this week. It's under the blood. It, it's all been taken care of. It's all been paid for. It's, it, we're good to go on that. And so Satan does all this, and he is the accuser of the brethren. And so Jesus did tell us in the model prayer, hey, make sure that you're praying, deliver us from evil. Make sure that you're mindful of the fact that Satan does have evil intentions, and make sure that you're praying in that way. So Satan's desire is, his, his request is, I want you, and I want to sift you. That's what he is. That's what he's doing. And friends, let's not be ignorant of his devices. Let's not be ignorant that as you walk out of this building tonight, he is trying to do that in your life. But let's think about this. What is is the Savior's response? Notice in verse number 32. But I have prayed for thee. Let's say that good and loud together. But I have prayed for thee. One more time. But I have prayed for thee. Praise God for that prayer, that intercession, that, yeah, as much as Satan is begging for you, demanding for you, our savior begs for your, for your success, for your endurance through that, through your, uh, through your spiritual growth through that. And the, here's the thing, Jesus always gets his prayers answered. I'm thankful for that. He's praying for Peter here, he's praying for you. Now notice here, he says, I've prayed for thee. Now he said to all the disciples, hey, Satan's desire to sift you, plural, all of you guys, and he was going to in the, uh, through the death of Jesus Christ, he's desired to sift you all, but here's the thing, I have prayed for thee. And Jesus gets very personal, I've prayed for thee. I want you to think about that. Put your name in that blank there. If you're writing down notes tonight, put your name in that blank there. I've prayed for thee. I've prayed for Tom. I've prayed for Isaac. I've prayed for Beth. I've prayed for Jeannie. Think about that. Isn't that amazing? And he does that for us. And he still does that. And I don't know where, where folks get the idea that he stopped interceding for his, his own when he got to heaven. Boy, what a, what a morbid thought that is. I, I, I came across that thought, and I was like, I don't know where you get that. That is right there in Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 25. He ever liveth to make intercession for you and I. And you know what? Sometimes in the midst of our sifting, when we're being turned upside down and tempted by Satan, we're in that, that, that fog of despondency and Satan's really working a good one on us and, and, and to the extent that God allows, sometimes we can look at another brother or sister in Christ or our, our spouse and we can kind of kick them when they're in the midst of that. Do you know that Jesus does not reprimand? He does not go after Peter in this moment. Even when he restores him in John 21, he does not reprimand him in the sense he goes after him and kindly brings him back. And so do you know what he says to him? uh, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna really mess it up, Peter. No, no, no. I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. You know the best thing that we can say to one another when we're being sifted or going through a trial? I'm praying for you. And more importantly, our Savior's praying for you. We just need to really grow in that. We need to just grow in this matter of I'm praying for you. And, and friends, not just I'm praying for you, but let's stop and pray right now. Are you with me about that? Let's stop and pray right now. Let's, Let's pray about this on this matter you're going through. Let's pray about this spiritual attack that you're going through. Now, notice, Jesus was prayerful, not critical. He was prayerful, not critical. May that be our heart. Let's be prayerful, not critical. We can criticize people. We don't always know everything that's going on. We don't know the spiritual attack that's being waged against a family. We don't know all that goes into the decisions that they're having to make as they might be being sifted. Uh, everyone's at a different point on the journey. Let's be like Jesus. Be prayerful, not critical. Right? Are you with me about that? Let's be prayerful, not critical. I'm praying for you. And maybe you look at them and you don't always agree with everything they're doing. and, And you look at it and say, I would do it differently. But you can say this, I'm praying for you. And so isn't Jesus. And Jesus is interested in them overcoming as well. But notice also, his, he was prayerful, but how he was prayerful, verse 22, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Here's my specific prayer request. And so he was specific, not general in his prayer. Let's, let's not pray these prayers of, Lord, bless Andy, right? And, Lord, you figure out what he needs. No, what does Andy need? What does Annie need help with, right? And your wife's sitting right next to you, and she can give the whole list of what you, what you need. But, and so we can pray real specifically uh, with, help, with help there. But no, we, we know what's going on. We're, we're aware of what's going on. In fact, look at your prayer guide tonight. On the front and back, there are specific prayers, prayer requests that have been given. We have some folks that are sick that really need the Lord to raise them up. On the front, I put on there, I asked Brother John Connor, as we're kind of focusing on praying for him and the Liberty Baptist Church, what can our church pray for you about specifically that you guys are just burdened about? What did he put down there? He he put down, uh, we need laborers, right? That's a a biblical prayer request. We need laborers. He put down that his wife has a a rare autoimmune disease, and they need help with that. They need God to to help them through with that. He put down that his wife, his his mother, is dying of uh, ALS. And so as we think about this, we can pray specifically. We can be like Jesus, specific, not general. Lord, bless John Connor. No. Lord John Connor and the church over there, Liberty Baptist Church, they need laborers. And even as they need that, there's some holes in their church ministry and and, and their efforts that they they can get discouraged about. And God, we're just praying that you would provide them a labor, some... Some young families that have energy and have, have focus and, and just are, are, are going to tune in with him. And some older families that have some wisdom and, and maturity and some experience that could come along and be helpers to him and an encouragement uh, to the, the church there. And we pray specifically, not general. So I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, that thy confidence would not fail, that there not be a, a loss in confidence in Christ and his His power and his plan to use me now interesting the word fail not the two words fail not have the idea of of ceasing we can catch that but it's where we get our word eclipse right and so as you think about that when there's an eclipse there's a blocking out so what Jesus is literally praying I'm praying that that your faith wouldn't be blocked out by what's coming I'm praying that the trial you're about to go through the trial of faith that is me going to the cross me being in the tomb for three days and three nights would not block out your faith, your confidence in who I am, what you already declared, Matthew 16, 18, right? And, and, and what you know that I can do and what you know I've called you to. I pray that it would not eclipse that. And so as you consider that, Jesus is praying very specifically. And while our faith will be tested severely and we might have more severe tests coming down the road, I want us to understand our savior is specifically interceding for our triumph, for us to overcome. For us to, um, to make it through. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's praying that this will be our experience. That we will triumph over that sin. And over every obstacle that would hinder us from obeying the, um, fully obeying the will and the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying for that. He's asking for that. I find it incredibly encouraging tonight that my Savior is praying for me in that way. I, I, don't, want, I don't want what you're going to go through to eclipse to, to block out your faith, your confidence in me. And you know what? There are times where we come to the, to the utter end of our confidence. Lord, do you know what you're doing? Have you forgotten about me? I'm here sitting at home, and the things aren't getting better. The doctors aren't giving me better answers. And, and, and I have these family problems. I have these divisions, and I have these financial issues. And uh, Lord, do you know what you're doing? Friends, Jesus is praying for Peter in an exact moment like that. Trial of faith. Now, let's catch this as we conclude this thought. Verse 32. Our Savior gives reassurance to Peter. Now, notice what he says. Just the last phrase. We can miss it if we are not careful. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Let's say that together. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. All right. Let me know you're awake tonight, okay? And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. All right. Very good. So, as we consider this, Uh, He is saying, hey, listen, Peter, first of all, in that first phrase, he's saying, listen, you are going to come to the end of this. You are going to be a conqueror. You are going to triumph. And when thou art converted, what is this word converted? Is he getting resaved? No, he's already declared the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here he is. The idea of his reverted, returned, revived, renewed is the idea. So when you've been restored, John chapter number 21, when you've come to that point where you realize, oh, I did do wrong, I need to to get back on track, the Savior still wants me, Uh, I I still have a purpose to do, when you're converted, uh, you're going to strengthen your brethren. So what's being said here? Uh, Peter, the trial of faith in front of you is not going to be the end of you. And the trial that you're facing tonight is not the end of you either. That's what's going on here. And sometimes we think, I'm going up against this. this is, I, I'm just going to be done. There's no reason to go on. I should just give up now. No, the trial in front of you is not the end of you. And that's exactly what he's telling to Peter. I saw this quote this past week, and I thought it was good. God has not brought you this far to bring you this far. God has not brought you this far to just bring you this far. And we get in our minds like, boy, this is the end. I can't go on. No, he's gonna. what Jesus has brought you to, he will bring you through. And we need to believe that. And that's what he is saying to Peter here. When you're converted, it's not if you're converted, Peter. It's when you're converted. And there's going to be times where we go through a trial of faith and we do mess up and we do deny Christ and we do go back on him and we do doubt him. And you know he's going to come along, John 21, he's going to restore us. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I have a job for you. And so he, he comes to him and says, hey, you're going to triumph. And Christ reassured him and says, hey, you're going to triumph. And we have the same reassurance all the way throughout Scripture. Uh, Philippians chapter one and verse number six, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a uh, good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will perform it. He's not gonna give up. He's not gonna leave you on the last mile before heaven. Well, you know what? I guess this one didn't just quite make it to glorification. Aren't you thankful that we have a savior that's going to bring us all the way through? You're going to go to heaven. You've asked him, you've placed faith on on him. Uh, It's already a done deal, praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. I mean, that's the reality. That's the reality we get to live, and we must believe that. So you're going to triumph, Peter, but notice the other thing about it. Peter, I still have a task for you. I still have a task for you. Strengthen thy brethren, confirm them. Uh, make them, uh, edify them, build them up, uh, confirm them, not in the sense that we hear confirmation in churches today, but the idea of just strengthen them, ground them, Peter. Okay, so when does this happen? Uh, it happens, Acts chapter number one. Do you know who is it that stands up in the upper room and begins to provide leadership in the upper room? Peter. Wait a minute, this is the guy that denied him. This is the last person that should be standing up. He's done. He's disqualified. He's, he's, he's all washed up. No, no, no. Isn't that awesome? He's the one that stood up. All right, you know, I sense, I sense the Lord is leading here, and uh, we need to replace Judas, and, and uh, so he leads the way. He's bringing strength to his brethren. You know what? I'll never get over when we're going through the book of Acts how that, that is like when Peter... Got done with what was going on in Jerusalem. James is now pastoring on the church there, and things are kind of settled down there. Do you know what Peter um, busies himself with? I'm going to go up to Lydda and up to Joppa, and I'm going to confirm the saints there. I'm going to strengthen the saints there. Do you know that Jesus, uh, that Peter, over and over throughout his ministry was just simply obeying the very last words of Jesus to him, which is, "Go feed the sheep. Uh, Strengthen the brethren." That's what he did, and it's amazing how, how we see that playing out in Peter's life. They're in Jerusalem, then he's going up to some obscure place, and then God leads him to the, the Gentiles, and he gets the lead to lead uh, 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 the, the, uh, uh, the centurion, not the centurion, um uh, uh, Acts 10, help me out here. Caesarea, I'm totally lost now, and I'm just gonna bust, uh, it's going to bug me. Go to Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, there it is, <laughs> Cornelius, and so he, he's going to, he, he's led to him, it's amazing what Peter is doing in obedience to the Lord as he's been restored, I have a task for you, Peter, I have a task for you, and friends, we, we have heard this, this teaching, you know, over and over through the years, and I used to hear it, uh, you've messed up so bad, God's going to put you on a shelf, how many of you have heard that? And we get to the point where in our minds we think there's no return. Now, I get it. There are, there are some sins that there's consequences. I, I get all that. I'm not denying that. But you know over and over Jesus points out to us that he restores and he brings into usefulness and he gives a task. And there obviously needs to be a contrite heart. Uh, he, he isn't able to put a person with a rebellious heart you know, it, to use them. There needs to be a contrite heart. I get, I get all that. But but the idea that you are too far gone to be used of God, you're here tonight with a, with a humble heart before the Lord, you want to be used. God wants to use you. Isn't that awesome? And so we have a, we have a Savior that is constantly working to bring us to that, that restoration, and he does that through prayer. Friends, if you can just walk away with, on this tonight, just remember uh, this, that your Savior is praying for you, and as long as you're still living, as long as you're still living, he is intensely interested in fully restoring you from anything that, any failure, uh, from, any, from any messing up in the midst of a trial of faith, he is intensely interested in restoring you and enabling you to edify the body of Christ. We all have a place here, don't we? Strengthen thy brethren. Who's that? The disciples, the body of Christ. We all have a place here. Uh, 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 4, Paul says this to Timothy, Neither give heed, to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions. That's what Satan does. Shaking up, sifting, causing doubt and questions, all right? So that's the work of Satan in a church. Uh, Rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. We all have a calling. Leave the questioning, the doubt causing, the sifting to Satan. We don't need to do his job. He does a good enough job with all of his demons and minions. He does a good enough job, leave that to him. Our calling is, and Peter's calling was, to build up, to encourage, to strengthen. And you know how that, that happens? Well, through a strong confidence that Jesus is praying for us, but also us modeling what Jesus does and praying for one another. And so we do have an intercessor tonight, friends. And uh, we need to do the same thing as Jesus does. We need to be that intercessor for one another. And I believe with all my heart right now, we need to be praying for one another and families that are dealing with constant physical sickness We need to be praying for those that are on the prayer list. We need to be praying that God will uh, give a breakthrough, that it will supernaturally overcome uh, the the will of Satan and all the attacks that are coming. But I I say we just simply need to thank Jesus, praise Jesus. Thank him for praying for you. Thank him for this story. And so let's just bow for a moment here before we go to prayer. And uh, personally, thank him for praying for you. Give him praise right now. He's done that for you. He's done that today. Give him praise right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for praying for me.